Gentlemen, to the Blue Bomber Talk podcast. My name's John Hodge. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Tim Hodge. Tim, how are you doing today? John, for the second time in the five-year, five-season history of the Blue Bomber Talk podcast, we are here to talk about a Blue Bomber playoff victory. How the hell do you think I'm doing? <laughs> I think you're probably doing pretty well, uh, especially considering that uh, I don't think either of us expected this result. I don't think it was you know, shocking that the Bombers won the game. I didn't pick them to win, but as we talked about on the show last week, I think there was you know, maybe a 60-40 kind of split uh, between these teams. Both, of course, very respectable outfits. But the way in which this game concluded, I think, is arguably the most shocking result um, of the CFL season and, quite frankly, the most shocking result in a number of seasons. Uh, the, the win is one thing, but the fact that the Bombers were able to defeat the Stampeders by a score of 35-14, to 14, finishing off the game with 30 consecutive points at McMahon Stadium I that is something that uh, had you told me this time yesterday I would have said you were crazy yeah this is this is not how we saw this panning out we we kind of agreed if this game happens 10 times the Bombers probably win three or four so when you look at probably about a 35 percent chance that the Bombers could go into McMahon Stadium and pull out the victory uh, uh, you know certainly having Chris Streveler able to play was was big. We did not expect that. I I did not expect Streveler to to be able to walk, let alone dress and and play and rush for 82 yards in this football game. But he was a huge factor in the second half. Uh, but you're right, John. I, I mean, it, it would have been one thing for the Bombers to come out and win by four points, you know, or or or, or a last play field goal. I mean, the, these two teams played three times this season. The total point total for all three of those games was was one point in favor of the Stampeders. I was expecting this to be a close game, but I was expecting the Stampeders to win by by a score, maybe by a touchdown, something like that. But uh, but boy, to have the Bombers go out, score 30 unanswered points, starting with that amazing 52-yard field goal uh, with uh, just under a minute left to go or half a minute left in the first half. I mean, yeah, this, this is just... This is just not how it was supposed to go. I, I mean, not that I, not that I'm complaining, but but putting up 35 on that very strong Calgary Stampeders defense and holding Bo Levi Mitchell to what certainly must be his worst professional game of football of his career. I mean, I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell completed 12 passes. He was 12 of 28. That is just a, a hair under 43 percent passing. For 116 yards, one touchdown, three picks. I mean, that is that is not a, that is not a good game. That is well over 100 yards less than Bully by Mitchell threw in 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 any game this season. Um, um, just just absolutely shocking stuff, John. This this was this was not how this was supposed to go. But, uh, but boy, was it fun to watch for Bomber fans. Well, I think that's that's ultimately the story is the fact that Bo Levi Mitchell had the worst game of his career. And I think that's true regardless of how you measure it. Um, it was the lowest yardage output he's ever had at 116 yards. And that even includes games where where he left 
um, or some games, I should say, where he left due to injury. Um, back in 2013, he had a few performances uh, where he had lower yardage than that, but he was, of course, not the full-time starter, so a lot of his games where he had a little yardage was a result of him coming on in relief of, of somebody else. But since he's been the starter in 2014, again, even accounting for games where he's left due to injury, he's always been better than 112 yards in the game. I mean, the, the, the Bombers, even this year, struggling to throw the football, surpassed that number, I want to say, 17 of their 18 uh, performances as a team, which, uh, you know, it, it's just not something that happens. Uh, bully by Mitchell throwing for for 116 yards in a game uh, especially as well you throw in the three interceptions that happened um, the the one that was the most egregious I thought was the one thrown to a Mercy Maston if Mercy Maston's not there if you turn him invisible for a second it's clear if you watch the replay the ball's going straight to Winston Rose and it's entirely possible that that Calgary with some changeover in their receiving core you know, uh, Eric Rogers not being available, Kamar Jordan making his his season debut, uh, Josh Huff still being uh, you know a relatively new face uh, in that uh, in that group. It's possible that a wrong route got run, but but when you throw the football and there's two defenders with a chance at it and not a receiver in sight, that that that's preseason football. That's certainly not playoff football, and that's certainly not playoff football in Calgary. Um, and full marks, of course, to the Blue Bomber defense. There's been a lot of people. Uh, you and I, Timmy, ha are, are included in that who have criticized Richie Hall at various points over the last few seasons. And, you know, I remember the, the, the West semifinal from, from three years ago, for instance, where the Bombers got up big on the BC Lions and then choked that away, largely because of the explosion plays that happened. Uh, the Bombers lost the, the West semifinal in 2017, largely the same way, explosion plays from Mike Riley and Adarius Bowman uh, for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, but the defense was absolutely spectacular. I don't think you can say anything shy of that. They were absolutely brilliant in Cowtown. The Stamps scored 14 points, but the second score took place on uh, what was essentially a turnover with a, an 11-yard net punt from Justin Medlock. Uh, it was a short kick, and then also there was the uh, the penalty, the uh, the short, the uh, the the no yards that brought it really deep in Winnipeg territory. I mean, they they basically had a perfect game that Blue Bomber defense, and uh, heck, I, I don't think there could be a better time to have a perfect game than uh, than the postseason. Well, of course. Ed. I mean, there, there's so many factors. Obviously, you want your, your your team as a whole to be to be firing on all cylinders come playoff time, especially your defense, and especially in the Canadian Football League, when you get a game with a minus 22 wind chill being played outdoors. Uh, I mean, that obviously played into the game um, players on both teams uh, all week were being asked about it. They were always, always minimizing it, talking about playoff football, saying all the cliche things. And I mean, as, as a fan at home, it was it was neat to watch to see all of the 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 the, the breath and everything, and, and just everybody looking so cold. It was it was a neat game to watch. Uh, although I will admit, I was in, you know enjoying the uh, the heat in my home to watch the game. Um, but it's games like that when you need your defense to shine. You know, you, you need to stop the run. And it was it was an interesting game plan in this game from the Calgary Stampeders and, and really from the Blue Bombers as well, John. You know, we, we saw the Stampeders really uh, play a little different in the first half. I mean, they did score the two touchdowns on, uh, on, on aided drives on a big kick return and on a very long uh, pass interference call. 
But we saw a Calgary Stampeder team get away from the pass a little bit in the first half and really focus on the run, um, which, I mean, given, given the weather, given the extreme cold, makes perfect sense. But uh, it was nice to see the Bomber defense in the first half, but particular, particularly in that second half, really, really hamper down and absolutely snuff out the Stampeders offense completely. Well, and, and you know, it, it's, uh, it's a situation that, I just don't think anybody saw coming again, even with the weather. The weather, of course, plays a role. The weather, of course, is something that, um, you know, we, we talked about many times over the course of the year as, as the Bombers, you know, uh, uh, being a team that was built for the playoffs to an extent, you know, a team that was going to be able to excel uh, in the, the winter time when things start to get colder, when the snow starts to fly. They were number one in the run this year and number one against the run. You know, when, when the when the snow gets blowing and the and the, the temperatures uh, uh, take a turn for the worse, that's something that you know you expect from a team uh, that uh, is as solid in the trenches as, as Winnipeg is is to is to play good football and and uh, as much as that was the expectation, you know, wow, the it, it still was uh, was impressive to see the way in which that defense completely shut down everything that the Stamps tried to do. Now Don Jackson actually rushed. 463 yards uh, on eight carries. Anti-leader 21 off three. Nick Arbuckle eight for th- uh, 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 eight yards off three carries. Um, so the the Bombers actually did a lot more yardage than they they typically do. But as we talked about on the show last week, if there's anything you want to do as a Bomber defense, it's to get the ball out of uh, Believe I Mitchell's hands, make him put it into the hands of his running backs, and that's. What we saw them do to an extent, it still wasn't a, a, a huge game uh, for the Stamps on the ground. Only 15 carries, one to Reggie Bagleton as well. But, uh, you know, the fact that they had almost a 2-1 to one split between passing and rushing when the Stamps are often, you know, 4-1, to 5-1, to one, uh, handing the ball off, you know, certainly less than 10 times and letting Bull Levi Mitchell stand back there and, and chuck it 30, 35, 40 times a game, um, I think it was a balance that, that favored the Bombers, and obviously they did a great job in limiting uh, what Bull Levi Mitchell was able to do through the air. Well, there's no question. I mean, the Stamps did finish with 93 rushing yards, which, which you know, is, is a pretty decent total in, in most CFL football games. But when you pair that with the 116 passing yards, you know, that tells the story. The, the, the Bombers finished this game uh, with 179 more yards of total offense than the Calgary Stampeders, which just is not something that, you know, Bomber fans are used to seeing over the last few years, particularly this year. This is a Bomber team that is very conservative through the air, uh, controls the ball, controls time of possession. The Bombers did have about 34 minutes time of possession in this game, just just shy of. Um but a team that generally gets outgained on offense. I mean, it, we, we've, we've seen a number of wins where the Bombers have had triple digits. Uh, they've been you know, triple digits shy of their opposition in terms of total net offense. Um, and this was just not the case. I mean, this was, this was the Bomber offense, especially in the second half where they, where they scored 27 and allowed zero points. Uh, um, just, just take over. And it's, it's just, it's, it's so interesting, John. You know, this is the first time uh, since 2012 that the Stampeders will not be in the West Final. Um, I, I, I think it's too soon. You had mentioned this as well, that you believe it's a little bit too soon to say that the, the, the Stampeders run at the top of the CFL's West Division. is, is It's too early to say that it's over, but 
But this is certainly a, a fall from grace for the Stampeders. Uh, um, they've played in every West final since 2012 and a few, you know, recently before that time as well. Um, they have been dominant and, uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously I'm happy that the Bombers beat them, but I'm also just kind of happy to see a team not named the Calgary Stampeders playing in, 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 the, in the West final this year. It's just nice to get some, some new teams up there. And of course it will be the Prairie Rivals, the Bombers and the Riders competing for a chance in the Grey Cup this year. Well, I think there are a lot of fans in neutral sites, i.e. not Calgary or Winnipeg, who are pleased that uh, that uh, the result was the way it was, as you said, simply because I think there is some fatigue uh, that's come as a result of the Stampeders being so darn good for so long. And I want to say I, I respect the, 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 the hell, frankly, out of the Stampeders organization and what they've managed to do since John Huffnagel took over as head coach and general manager in 2008. That's 12 seasons. In those 12 years, they've made the Grey Cup uh, six times. They've made the West Final 10 times, and they've won the Grey Cup uh, three times. And, you know, when they're, when they're playing for the West Final, you know, whatever that is, more than 80% of the time, and they're making it to the Grey Cup half the time, and they're winning it a quarter of the time, that's, that's a dynasty. That's, that's incredible. It's a small league, but it's hard to get to the top, and... Once you're at the top, it's, I think, really hard to stay there. Every team is gunning for Calgary every year. When you see Calgary on the schedule, you know it's going to be a tough week. You know it's going to be a tough game. You know you're going to have to bring your very best to that contest. And that's what the Stamps face. Nobody takes them lightly. Nobody takes them uh, for granted. Nobody takes them, you know, as anything but the best of the best. And that's been the case for, for more than 10 years now. And so... Uh, do I think it's it's you know too early to to proclaim the dynasty is over? Yes, uh, simply because they have Bolivi Mitchell under contract for next year. I don't think there's any reason to think that Dave Dickinson is going anywhere. I think John Hoffnagel still wants to be the GM for for another few years, though he is getting up there in age. I, I believe now 68 years old. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, it could be the end of the the end of the dynasty. We'll we'll have to see. Uh, what happens next season? I don't think there's any argument that this team uh, was a pretty dramatic drop-off from the 2018 outfit we saw. That, of course, not only won the Great Cup, but put I want to say it was five players, including Alex Singleton, you know, Mark and Michelle, James Vaughters, Jameer Thurman, just just a, a whole host of players in the NFL last year, and could have done the same for Bolivar Mitchell. I think had he been okay. Uh, taking a bit of a, a pay cut to be a backup, of course, making as much as he does. Um, he makes more in Calgary starting than he would make an NFL minimum and riding the pine somewhere down south. And so, you know, there's, there, there's, there's, I don't think any declaring yet that the, the dynasty is over. But if there is uh, uh, proof of that next season, um, on the one hand, I think you have to respect it. But on the other hand, I, I would agree, Timmy, it's probably time for some fresh blood. It's probably time for another team to have its moment in the sun. And I suspect we'll see the Hamilton Tiger Cats get there this year to the to the Grey Cup game. Um, that'll be their first Grey Cup uh, appearance. And in, in, I want to say it's since 2013, six years. Uh, or no, they were there in 2015. First, first appearance in four years. But if they win it, that would be their first victory in 20 years. Um, of course, if the Bombers get there, it'll be their first uh, appearance since 2011. And if they win it, I mean, everybody listening to this podcast knows damn well how long it's been <laughs> since this club won a great cup. And so I, I do think that uh, if this is the end of the Stamps, it's 
you know, as much as I do feel for the Stamps fans who I know, um, it's probably time for some fresh blood and uh, another franchise to have its moment in the sun. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, I even had a, a couple of Stamps fans commenting on some of my tweets after the game and, and, and congratulating the Bombers and saying that, you know, they have had a great run and, and although it hurts to see the Stampeders season come to an end, that they were, you know, they were happy to see the Bombers progress on. And, and that, and that's a nice thing, you know, Stamps fans have had a, a wealth of riches. I mean, three, three great cup championships in the last uh, 12 years since Huffnagel took over. And of course it could have very easily been more. I, I mean, if they don't lose uh, tight games, uh, uh, shocking losses to uh, to both Ottawa and Toronto over the last few years, that jumps to five Grey Cup championships uh, in 12 years, which is just just absurd. And and I think much like uh, you know everybody outside of the Massachusetts area and the states is tired of seeing Tom Brady and the New England Patriots win Super Bowls. I think everybody roots against them outside of that area uh, just because they want fresh blood. And it, I don't think it's any different here. So um, you know. The Stamps are, are they're dispersing and going home early, and the Bombers get to keep playing. And, you know, John, going, going, going ahead now, looking ahead a little bit, I am, I'm very curious to see what the Bomber quarterbacking situation is going to look like in Regina. I would expect it will be very similar to what we saw in Calgary, barring the health of Chris Strebler. Obviously, Zach Kolaros uh, finished that game very clean. Um, we, weren't, we weren't really sure if, if Strebler would even play at all. I already had mentioned that right off the top. Uh, given the severity of his injury sustained uh, in Calgary uh, in, in the Bombers' second last game of the season. Um, and boy, was that effective. I, I am generally not a fan of, of two quarterback systems. I do know that the Bombers have employed, employed that a decent amount this season with success uh, uh, between Matt Nichols and Chris Strebler. But uh, boy, was that ever effective. You know, it was, it was pretty clear the Bombers planned on on getting Strebler into the game more in the second half and, 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 and kind of keeping him for the last 30 minutes. Um, but I did not expect the game from Chris Strebler that, that he was able to produce given his, his, his injured ankle with uh, ligament damage with a broken bone in his foot. I mean, that's just, it's absurd to see him running around diving for a touchdown run in the fourth quarter, knowing the injury that he has. Uh, it's just absurd. And, and you know, we saw a, a very steady game from Zach Kolaros. You know, he kind of looked like Matt Nichols back there uh, wearing a different number. Um, just a steady game, completed passes, and then he did have that one big-time 71-yard strike to Darvin Adams. Just uh, an absolutely beautiful pass when Darvin Adams had a step made another guy miss and ran it all the way in for a touchdown to take the Bombers' first lead of the game, a lead that they would not relinquish uh, uh, until, well, until the end of the game. It was, it was uh, you know, a, a well-quarterbacked game, two quarterbacks that are obviously very different. But uh, I, I guess, what are your thoughts, John, going into next week? Are, are you expecting something similar? Well, I'll start by saying this. I, I think internally the Bombers, well, I know internally this week, the Bombers did not think that Chris Strebler would play. And you, you mentioned the injuries he's dealing with to me. I, I, I had a source tell me he's dealing with other issues even on top of that. This is a guy who right now is essentially being held together by bubblegum and popsicle sticks, yet he he performed like like he was fine. And I'm sure that there are um, some very high-quality sedatives and... Uh, painkillers involved that uh, helped him move the way that he did in the West semifinal yesterday but uh, 
the the bottom line is is I think the two quarterback system that we discussed here on the show last week, Timmy, as being a key to victory, paid off in spades. Uh, Chris Streveler had 11 of his 13 carries come in the second half. He did also not attempt to pass, which is wild considering that he took the lion's share of the snaps in the second game. And I think he hit the nail on the head as far as comparing Caleros to Nichols. I mean, that's really what Matt Nichols does in this offense is he keeps things simple, keeps things conservative, keeps things uh, under control, prioritizing uh, possession and, 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 and maintaining the football, you know, uh, being in the Blue Bombers' hands. And then when the deep shot comes, bam, it's got to be there uh, because you're only going to get one, maybe two a game. And uh, that's exactly what, uh, what, what Zach Caleros did yesterday, right? He, he, he as you said, he found that 71-yard strike uh, to Darvin Adams. If you take that out, he only throws for 122 yards, which which maybe given the uh, you know the 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 conditions isn't uh, isn't the end of the world after all. It'd still be more than Bolivar Mitchell had. Um, that being said, I think uh, the the one toss that that concerned me was the throw in a triple coverage that was dropped by Corey Greenwood should have been intercepted. Uh, probably doesn't matter given, of course, that uh, it was a 21 point game uh, by the end of the fourth quarter, but. Uh, it's, it's just another time where we've seen Caleros uh, throw the football into harm's way and uh, have it be dropped. I think at this point, as a Blue Bomber, he's got one interception, but uh, I think that number could easily be four, possibly five. Um, and the only reason I mention it isn't I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to illustrate that, you know, moving forward to Regina next week, I think the Stamps, you know, probably could make a case that they were the top defense in the CFL this season. Uh, maybe outside of uh, of Hamilton, but uh, Saskatchewan would be would be right there, just right there, really really close. Uh, they do a nice job of disguising things. They do a fantastic job of of using all of their athletes, using all of their uh, you know guys like Derek Moncrief, guys like Duchez, uh Purifoy, guys who you know are versatile, who can move in and out, make plays, who are athletic, you know, uh, uh, disguise things and and try to fool opposing quarterbacks and. Um, if I were to give, you know, one one negative on the quarterback position, that would be it is just making sure that Zach Caleros takes care of the football. But uh, obviously a full full marks outside of that and specifically to Chris Streveler, who, again, at the beginning of the week looked like he wasn't even going to play. And then not only does he play, but he, he has a massive, massive impact on the game in the second half. And, you know, I think the bye week helps him do that. I think the bye week helped the Bombers tremendously, by the way, week 21. Uh, having a week to rest up. Obviously, that advantage will lie with Saskatchewan next week, given that they did not have to play the semifinal week. Um, but if you're the Riders right now, I don't think you want any part of Chris Streffler. I don't think you want any part of this new quarterback uh, tandem that the Bombers have, especially if Cody Fajardo is going to uh, not be at 100% uh, due to the back spasms that uh, he suffered a couple weeks ago uh, ahead of the Riders' final regular season game. Yeah, there's no question. This 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 uh, this game next weekend in Regina is going to be a special one. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen exactly how stress, uh, Chris Trevler will do uh, or how he will be feeling this week. Um, but like you said, there's also some question marks with Cody Fajardo. Um, Where is he going to be at health wise? What's he going to be able to do? Um, will he be close to 100 percent, or 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 is this going to affect the the Riders' game plan? And I think in terms of the defense uh, capabilities, uh, you know, I, I think the Riders might actually even match up a little bit better defensively 
with the Blue Bombers uh, than the Stampeders' defense did. The, over the course of the season, the Riders' defense was better against the run than the Calgary Stampeders'. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously that's going to be a huge part of the Bombers' game plan. It has been all season. Of course, we've seen a number of, of, of close games and exciting games between these teams. It's, it's sort of interesting that uh, the Bombers will be place, uh, playing both the Stampeders and the Riders in the playoffs, and both of those games will be the fourth meeting of these clubs uh, in this season. It's a little bit bizarre that it worked out that way. Um, of course, the Riders did win two of the three games. Uh, the home team won all three games between these two clubs, but we saw a lot of close games. The walk-off field goal on Labor Day, obviously the Bombers uh, really took care of business at the Banjo Bowl, uh, cruising to an easy victory there, to a, you know, a large victory there. But, uh, you know, another outdoor game, weather will be a factor. I'm sure it's, it's, it'll be Regina in mid-November. Um, I think it's going to come down largely to how effectively the Bombers are going to be able to run the ball uh, versus how well that Riders defense is going to be able to stop them. Yeah, some defensive rankings, just so our, our folks at home know. The Riders finished second in rushing yards against and passing yards against. However, the statistics I, I probably should look at more, and I think everybody should look at more, quite frankly, is the yards per pass and the yards per rush. Because, of course, you know if one team has let's say, 400 rushing attempts against them over the course of a season, and another team is 200, uh, the team that had to face 400 carries is going to give up more yards, right, uh, just by virtue of of, uh, of of the number of attempts. And so uh, if you take into account per play, uh, Calgary was first against the pass per play uh, with 9.8 yards per. Saskatchewan was second at 10.2 rushing yards per carry. Uh, the Bombers were still first at 4.6. Calgary was second at 4.8 Saskatchewan was third at 5.07 and so you know I, I think you know make of that what you will I think it's almost a uh, to be quite honest a uh, I think there's things that Calgary and Saskatchewan do a little bit differently uh, for instance I don't think Calgary has a pass rusher that is the caliber of a guy like Charleston Hughes um, but you know maybe in, in Calgary they have a bit more of a veteran core in that secondary, guys like Brandon Smith, Jamar Wall running the show, but the defenses are almost a wash. I think they're 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 pretty much by and large on the same level. They're both pretty outstanding. Um, weather forecast, by the way, at least right now, and we're recording this by the way Monday afternoon, Remembrance Day. Uh, we'd like to quickly say uh, to anybody who has served, is serving, or will serve our country in the future, thank you for your sacrifice and. Uh, we obviously appreciate uh, everything that you're doing uh, for the rights and freedoms that we have in this country. But uh, Sunday, uh, Regina, uh, it's still six days out, uh, but uh, the, the high is plus four, the, uh, the low is minus three. Chances of precipitation right now is 20% with winds gusting at about 20 kilometers an hour. So should be a lot friendlier than things were in Calgary. But as you said, Timmy, it's, it's, still, it's, it's still November. Right in Saskatchewan, it's going to be somewhat miserable, one way or another. And uh, if you're the Blue Bombers, I think you're you're pretty happy with uh, the weather, as it uh, potentially does get more miserable, uh, because uh, I think it plays right into your hands if uh, if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, playing some nasty weather. There's no question that it was a it was a big factor. I mean, we've we've touched on it already, but but that that I mean, the worse the weather will be in any of these playoff games, I think the more it will play uh, into Winnipeg's hands, really more than any other team that's that's still around. 
um, just just given the 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 threat the bombers have between Kalaros and Strevler splitting reps, and then of course between Strevler. Uh, um, running the ball, Andrew Harris running the ball, Nick Dembski running the ball. Um, I thought Nick Dembski actually had a fantastic game too. We should maybe mention that quickly. Um, I thought he was one of his best games, perhaps his best game of the entire season. Uh, what a great time for that to uh, to come about. Um, uh, you know, this this game in Regina, though, John, it's it's going to be a slugfest. I mean, these. These games between the Bombers and Riders always mean so much. They're, they're, they're always high stakes. Um, you know, whatever city they're being held in, the fans always turn it up a notch. Um, it's going to be a hostile environment, much more so than in Calgary. Not, not to knock the Stamps fans that were there. Um, it did look on the broadcast like a good chunk of fans stayed home due to the weather. Um, um, you know, but the attendance I think was still pretty decent. I didn't actually look up what that attendance figure was, but certainly uh, just over twenty four thousand. So not not you know crazy numbers. I would assume we will be seeing more uh, fans in the stands in Regina for the West Final. And uh, I mean, you know that the Ryder fans are going to be making it as difficult as they possibly can on that Blue Bomber offense. Well, and I, I think you have to give the Riders a lot of credit, right, for finishing first. They won 13 games this season. Um, you know, they, they made hay when they could and, and took advantage of, of a lot of games. Their, their five losses uh, came, uh, uh, two of them came early in the season, one against Hamilton, one against Ottawa. But uh, since then, they've only lost to two teams. They lost their matchups with Calgary, and they lost their, uh, their date in Winnipeg for the Banjo Bowl. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that Chris Traveler started all three contests that uh, the Riders and the Bombers had against each other this season. Um, when uh, when you look at that, uh, again, no discredit to Chris Traveler, who was fantastic uh, in the game uh, in Calgary. Uh, Zach Caleros just does something different for this team. He brings a different angle, and I think that um, you know if you look at those clubs, I think you know. Uh, uh, they're 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 certainly uh, more than the sum of their parts. I think when you when you put them together, I think when you look at Caleros, when you look at Streveler, on their own, they'd both be you know. And we we saw when Chris Streveler started a, a string of I want to say it was eight games this season. Uh, the Bombers were were pretty average with him at the helm. They finished three and five in those games and uh, and weren't weren't terribly sharp. But uh, you put you put Zach Caleros in there, a guy who I don't think you could really trust to be the guy anymore either as your full-time starter, just given his, his, his history of injury, and, and it works, right? It, it just works. And uh, I think that, uh, that gives the Bombers an advantage. Um, it's going to be a matter, though, of the Riders being rested as well. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting, really, really interesting matchup. And well, I want to say this, too, before we get into final thoughts, Timmy, that if the Riders are, um, you know, first of all, the Riders... Uh, faithful is going to be spectacular i think for that west final game there's going to be lots of bomber fans who make the trip this will be the third time the bombers play at new new mosaic stadium this year um i'm just happy that we get the first all prairie west final since 1972 yeah it hasn't happened since then that these two clubs met in the west final um i think prairie football fans deserve it that's no discredit to calgary or edmonton or bc uh, but it's the first West final that doesn't feature the Stampeders or the Lions since 2003. In a period of 16 years, there's there's always been red or orange in that West final. And I think it's cool that this year it's coming down 
to blue and green, and, and I think it's going to be uh, be absolutely one heck of a football game. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, the stakes are high. I mean, of course, in 2007, we had a great cup with these two clubs. And uh, I, I mean, all, all, all I wanted at the time was, of course, the Bombers to win the great cup over the Riders to, to take it all home. Because then you get that double whammy of a, of a Bomber victory, but also, uh, you know, that, that, that sweetness of a, of a Rider loss that every Bomber fan feels. Um, and this is really, I mean, it's a little different because it's not the Great Cup, of course, but uh, it's pretty darn close. I mean, there will be a Prairie Club as the home team uh, in the Great Cup this year. It's just to be determined if their jerseys will be blue or green. And, uh, and, and, and I will say this, John, um, I mean, of course, the Bombers will always look good in whatever they wear, but I'm really hoping the Riders pull out their retro uniforms uh, uh, for the next two games. They will, of course... Uh, be the home team, uh, whether they're playing one more game or two more games, the Riders will be the home game, uh, home team. Uh, I, I hope they pull out those retros. They look so nice. On that note, Timmy, let's get into final thoughts. And uh, why not? Let's make some predictions for uh, this upcoming game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, well, you know, there's there's one one other number, one other stat that I wanted to make sure I mentioned on this podcast Um you know, obviously, this this game in Calgary was, as we mentioned, really by any stretch uh, of the imagination, Bully by Mitchell's worst game as a pro. Uh, but Bully by Mitchell is an extremely competent quarterback, uh, and and you can really almost never count the Stampeders out of a game. Um, this is uh, this is a guy that has I don't even know how many fourth quarter comebacks he has, uh, last drive touchdown passes to win a game, uh, but it's it's many. Uh, since 2014 when he became a full-time starter in this league. Um, the Bombers got the ball back. I am aware that the score was 35-14. The Bombers got the ball back with about four minutes left, uh, just a few seconds shy of four minutes. Um, at that point, it was pretty clear uh, the Bombers were almost certainly going to win, um, being up by, by 21 points at that point. However, four minutes is an eternity in the CFL. Um, I was starting to relax a little, but I, I, I definitely wanted the Bombers to keep their foot on the gas. Of course, no Bomber fan needs to be reminded about the collapses this team has had in Toronto and in Montreal this season. Um, bombers got the ball back with three minutes and 57 seconds left in this game. They did not give it back to Bull Levi Mitchell. They did not throw a pass. They ran the ball. Calgary called their last time out. They kept the ball on the ground. They went for it on third down twice. Uh, uh, one on third and inches, one on third and one, and uh, you know, no surprises there. Chris Strebler was able to convert both those third down uh, down gambles, and then there was enough time to just kneel and end the game. Um, that is something that I I really liked to see. Um, you know, to to keep the ball for those last four minutes and actually run down the clock. That is something that this team has failed to do a number of times in the regular season. So what a great time to see it come playoff time. And then as for a prediction for this game, you know, I mean, the Riders have been outstanding this season. I, I still felt like Calgary was 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 the better team, um, you know, if you're comparing Calgary and Saskatchewan. Um, it's never nice to go into Regina and play the Riders, especially if you're wearing a Blue Bomber jersey. But I almost feel like the Bombers match up slightly better. Uh, against the Riders than the Stampeders. Of course, Bolivar Mitchell having such a bad game really uh, changes things, that matchup between the Bombers and Stamps. But, um, 
you know, I, I'll say this. I think if Chris Streveler is able to be as effective, be as healthy, or maybe even slightly more healthy than he was against the Stampeders, I think the Bombers actually have a pretty good shot at winning this thing. I mean, it might be if they if if, if this West final is played ten times, it might go each way five times. Um, I, I don't I don't really have much more than that. I think it's going to be tight. I think either team certainly is capable of winning this game. But uh, if, if, if Caleros is able to protect the ball, um, you know, put on his Matt Nichols hat and, and his Matt Nichols costume and, and, you know, manage the game, keep it out of the rider's hands, Strebler's able to be himself, the Bombers are able to move the ball on the ground and maybe get to Fajardo a little bit, um, you know, I don't, I don't see why the Bombers can't win this game. Uh, it's doable. I think it, it's, it's certainly exciting that the week one uh, uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders starting quarterback will be playing in this game uh, just for the opposition, not the home team. Um, you know, a guy like Willie Jefferson has a chance to to go in and and, and play spoiler to the team he played for last season. Um, there's just a ton of storylines. There's a ton of emotion going into this game. It's it's you know, arguably the two most dedicated fan bases in the entire league here. Uh, this is going to be a special game, and uh, boy, do I hope the Bombers were able to win. Yeah, I think if you're, uh, you know, looking at the West Semi going into it, I, I probably had, you know, I, I had about 70-30 uh, Calgary over Winnipeg, but I think it was the bye week that kind of moved it one game. Being an advantage for Winnipeg to 60-40, I kind of see this game against Saskatchewan in, in somewhat similar light. I would actually be tempted, I think, to give the Bombers 60-40. But I think the, the bye week in, in Saskatchewan kind of moves it to more of a 50-50 game. If I had to give a prediction, I would I would choose the Bombers just because, again, I think that run game is is going to give Saskatchewan fits. Though, again, I I mean, heck, I, I think it's it's too close to call at this point. I think I think uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will be favored by a little bit. It wouldn't surprise me if they were favored by, say, a field goal last week, by the way. Stampeders opened as seven-point favorites by game day. They were down to four-point favorites with, uh, I guess, a lot of people having a premonition that the Bombers would win that contest. Um, wouldn't surprise me if this game was similar. If the if the Riders opened as three-point favorites, wouldn't shock me if it was a pick 'em by uh, by by next Sunday. To be to be quite honest. Um, anyways, I I'm looking forward to the action, Tim. I know you're looking forward to the action, and we hope, of course, that all of our listeners are looking forward to the action. This is the Bombers second chance in as many years to go to a great cup game they have to go on the road to do it in the west final but what's better than that what is more exciting than playoff football at the best of times but you know when when the team that uh you know is in your market is in your community or the team that you cheer for maybe it's you know locally or from a distance whatever it is uh, is playing man it makes for an exciting time in the cfl postseason and uh we hope you'll be right there alongside us bomber fans uh listening to uh listen to the show we thank you as always folks for listening to the blue bomber talk podcast take care everybody Bye-bye.